If I told you I made an appointment for you tomorrow to spend an hour with the most, most amazing human being that ever lived, would you show up? Just you and him. Well, wait a minute before you say yes. Let me tell you what makes him so amazing. He can read everything in your brain. Everything that you've stored since the day you were conceived, he can tell you everything that ever happened, every thought you ever had, every word you ever said, every circumstance you ever found yourself in. Do you still want to come and see him? Yeah, it gives you a pause, doesn't it? You know, think of this. If, if somebody called you tomorrow and they were a police detective and said, we are confiscating your phone and your computer because we think we're going to find criminal behavior on there or things that you have been, sites you've been going to or things you've been doing, would that make you comfortable? No. That make you scared, huh? Maybe not. Maybe you've been that good. But if Jesus, who knows your brain the way they can look into a computer, were able to tell you everything that you ever did, well, wait a minute, Pastor. You didn't say he was Jesus. Maybe I'd show up anyway. If you feel that way, then there's something you're already thinking and believing because you're a Christian, right? When Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, he was teaching us how to pray and have our moment before God. Got to get my headset right. How to pray and have our moment before God and realize what it's really all about. We've been going through the Lord's Prayer this summer. Think about this. When you enter prayer, you are before God who sees everything and knows everything about you. That's why a lot of people don't pray that much. Because intuitively, by the natural knowledge of God, we all know this. God sees everything. Now, you can fake good prayer in front of other people. You can pray in front of the family a rote prayer. But you enter into that intimate moment with God when it's just you and Him. And you're thinking about the fact that He knows whether you are all in or not. And He knows every thought, word, and deed. It makes you shrink back a little bit. But if it doesn't, well, then you're not being real. So the Lord's Prayer, if you think about the phrases of the Lord's Prayer, is really first a confrontation with your soul. Our Father who art in heaven, who's out there bigger than the little planet that I'm on, who's the owner of the whole universe, you are in heaven you are the author of everything. You are the Father. You are our Father. I'm this little bitty person on your planet. Thy kingdom come. All about God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, we have a few needs we would come before God for. Take care of my body today. Give me this day my daily bread. And then we have spiritual needs. And the two big spiritual needs... Really, three, you could say, he focuses on, are really the summary of all that we need. Forgive us our trespasses, lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil. That's the sum total of everything that a little creature like you and me should be talking to God about, the big God of the universe. 
truth be told, we all need a prayer like this to help us learn how to pray. The worst thing we can do, though, is to mindlessly say it. Because then it's not really being in his presence and thinking about it. So why did Jesus give us the prayer, forgive us our trespasses? Because that is the big rub between us and God. And the truth is, because of the natural knowledge of the law of God written in everybody's heart, everybody knows it. Some don't want to admit it, but everybody knows it. Our biggest issue is that God, who made us, knows that we have fallen far short of the purposes for which he made us. Lots of people pray. Lots of people pray to God as if that isn't a big issue, their sins between them and God. And so they come with their grandiose requests, sometimes even saying, if you don't do this the way that I'm praying, I'm not even going to believe you exist. Well, I'm certainly not going to follow you because you can't be trusted. And God says, well, why don't we talk about this for a minute? Let me give you an illustration. Let's say you're the owner of a business that hired me as a new employee to work at your business. You, as the owner, parked your, your vehicle. We'll just, don't, I don't care what it is. We'll just say it's a, a nice, brand-new vehicle out in the front. It's a Jaguar. I'm a new hire. I have my 10-year-old Honda Civic. And I park it in the parking lot right across from your Jaguar. And I get off at 5, but you're the owner. You don't leave till 6 or 6.30, right? You're sitting in your office, and you hear a bang at 5 o'clock, and you look out, and there I am, backed into your Jaguar with my little Honda, and I'm out looking at it, and I jump in the Honda, and I leave. The next day, I come to work. I come into your office, and I'll say, boss, can you help me with a few things? I'm trying to figure out how to do this and how to do that. And I need your help for this. And by the way, are you taking me to lunch? What are you thinking? Let's talk about yesterday afternoon at 5 o'clock, right? Well, that's the way it is when sinners approach God as if sin is no big deal. We need grace. Now, the guy who gave us the prayer is grace. Jesus never mentions himself in the prayer, but he's the guy that gave it. What's the best way to describe grace? Well, there's a lot of ways, but a good way is to take the letters of grace and, and use them for a phrase. God's riches at Christ's expense. His only son, the beloved of heaven, God put, we sang it, God put the iniquity of you on him. They absconded in heaven your computer, and then they went out and arrested Jesus for your behavior. Pick whatever illustration you want, but that man Jesus took your sins away, God's riches at Christ's expense, and it was shed for you. So when you come to God in prayer as a Christian, you say, forgive me my trespasses. You know what you're asking you're asking for God to forgive you for Jesus' sake. That's why a Christian, when they pray the Lord's Prayer, is right where they need to be. Because they're praying, for Jesus' sake, forgive me my sins. Not because I'm really one of the good sinners. Not because I've got really good reasons why I kept falling short or keep falling short. It's because I know your Son is my Savior. But there are some people 
who do not believe that the grace of God is big enough to cover their sins. There are moments in your life where you may have felt that way when you're especially ashamed of your life. You may think it's not big enough to cover your sins. Uh, Fifteen years ago, 85-year-old woman told me, my son stole, in his 50s, he's 50 years old, stole $15,000 from me. He, he asked to borrow it, and then he gambled it away, and then he disappeared. And I have no way of finding out where he is. She waited. Now, that had happened a lot earlier. She waited a total of 20 years before he came back to her. And she had forgiven him a lot sooner than that. But he didn't believe that she would or that she could. You say, what a tragedy that they lost 20 years together. Because one, the one that offended had forgiven, but the other didn't believe it. Well, I say, what a tragedy if sinners live their whole life believing that God does not forgive them. Because all they know is the natural knowledge of the law written in their heart, and they're ashamed of their life, and they just don't think he could ever forgive them. In your Christian mind, I want you to think through what are the people in the Bible that were notorious sinners that God forgave? Moses, who killed a man. David, who, with his sin with Bathsheba and killed, had Uriah killed. The woman who was a prostitute and was washing Jesus' feet with her hair. The thief on the cross. The apostle Paul, who arrested Christians and had many of them put to death. Peter, who denied even knowing him. Even Judas was forgiven, but didn't believe it. Do you see what we're saying? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The church who believes in grace has the ministry of telling people that they are reconciled. Now let me ask you a question. How do you know someone believes that they are forgiven? Well, in terms of prayer, you know because they're willing to pray the Lord's Prayer. They're not scared to come to that appointment with Jesus because it's Jesus that they're coming to the appointment with. And they believe God through Christ loves them. But there's another way we can tell if a person believes. And that's if they forgive the people that hurt them. We can't tell whether you're a believer or not in grace if you don't forgive people that hurt you. We can't tell what the gospel really means if we can't see you forgive people that hurt you. In your life, we can't tell what it means for us even. So why that phrase in the Lord's Prayer that I haven't mentioned yet it's forgive us our trespasses, what? As we forgive those who trespass against us. Can you pray that ever without thinking about it? You automatically, even if it's for a nanosecond, think, have I forgiven everyone? Because I just said to God, you can damn me. No, you should, you will damn me if I don't forgive others. Forgive me as I forgive those who trespass against me. Why would he say that? What I mean is, why would he tell you to say that? Back to God. 
It's because the Lord's Prayer is a confrontation with your soul to bring you into a right fellowship with God. God doesn't fellowship with posers. You're not going to fake it with Him. You're not going to act like someone who believes in grace and then go before God and, and be someone who does not believe in grace to share with everybody else the way it was shared with you. And so it confronts you. It also makes you deal with stuff. Has it, has, since if you all go all the way back to Adam and Eve, has it occurred to you that our biggest problem, all of us, is that we don't deal with our stuff very well? Adam and Eve hiding, blaming, right? We all have that challenge. We can even, we can even be talking to somebody else about dealing with their stuff and in the same hour not deal with our own stuff. Right? So when you pray the prayer, you have to deal with yourself. Grace is real. God's grace in Christ is something to believe and it's something to share and achieve in, the, in my life for the benefit of others. And God says, that's the kind of cooperation with me, the Lord of the universe that I want. If you're going to come into my throne room while you're walking around a little bitty person on my little bitty planet when I'm the great father of grace, you're going to walk with me in grace. You might be thinking of somebody. I hope you are. Now I'm going to make you think of them. Think of the person that you've had the hardest time forgiving in your life or right now are having the hardest time. It might be way back there. It might be right in your face, current, because they keep hurting you. Or it may be both. Think about that. And you may be thinking, it's hard. I'm trying, but it's hard to forgive them. And I therefore have a hard time praying, Lord, forgive me as I forgive this person. In fact... You can't forgive them without Christ. And you will forgive them with Christ as long as you're focusing on Jesus. The secret to forgiveness is found in this verse that the Apostle Paul, teaching the Christian faith, that we printed in the folder right under the the, the Lord's Prayer. It's just two little words in the verse. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, Just as in Christ, God forgave you. What are those two words? Just as. Just as. Right now, I'm looking at about 150 people. I can see the farthest to my left is a man named Stacy Greer. He's in my peripheral vision. But I'm focusing on Gloria Cook. Stacy, raise your right hand. Yep, that was his right hand. But Stacy's not my main focus. It's Gloria Cook in her white blouse up here in the front. My question is, right now, when you're thinking about that person that you're having a hard time forgiving, the more I try to get you to think about them, the more... I'm sorry, you're going to be the bad guy. The more I'm getting you to focus on that person. Now, Gloria Cook is in my peripheral vision. Gloria, raise your right hand. Yep, I think that was it. But I'm really focused on this guy. He's got the Fu Manchu... What, what, what am I trying to teach you? It's a matter of what you focus on, dear Christian, on whether or not you have the power to forgive. The people that hurt us are in our life. They're in our memory, if that's all. But they're in our life. But are they going to be the center of your focus, or are they going to be on the peripheral? Because if Jesus is over here where glory is in the white blouse, Jesus is giving me love and grace and forgiveness and, and helping keep 
him forgiven in my life. But if I focus on him, then I'm pushing Jesus out. So I want to forgive this guy the way that Jesus has forgiven me. Therefore, I need to focus on Jesus. So now go to the room. Remember the appointment you have tomorrow? So go to the room. You're in the room with Jesus. And he sits you down, and you walked in one door, and it's not a very big room, and there's another door on the other opposite wall. He says, you know what that door is? You can hear beautiful music. He says, that's the door to heaven. And he said, today's your day. I'm taking you in there. If it was me, he'd say, your parents are across there. And he'd name 10 other loved ones. And he'd say, there, there's no more pain or sorrow or crying. And this, it's, uh, the, everything is fixed. Everything makes sense. It's the eternal bliss. I'm going to take care of your family. But Don, today's the day. You're going through that door and I'm taking you to heaven. Let's go. And he says, no, there's one more thing I want you to do. He said, here's my cell phone. He says, I want you to call that person that you haven't forgiven. And before I take you out of my little bitty planet where you're just a little bitty person, I want you to show them that I'm real. Because when they look at you, Don, that person doesn't know that I'm real because you won't forgive. Well, I'm really struggling. He says, well, that's fine. Just put the phone on the table. Put it on the table. He says, let's talk about when you were 18 months old. And he starts the story of how he forgave me of all these different things all my life. We get done with that, and he goes, I've forgiven everything. You're forgiven. I go, yeah, it's great. He goes, you want to go through the door? I said, yes. He goes, picks up the phone and says, call that person. Tell them that the grace I just gave you is the grace that you give them, and it's, it's available through me also. I'll do it. What I'm trying to show you is that prayer puts you in touch with the God with whom you have to do now and at the end of your life, and today could be your very last day. The Lord's Prayer is the prayer that is the, the true, that's why it's called the Lord's Prayer, the true prayer for every believer. And it leads you back to God so that your heart is right and made right by God and that you participate in that by learning to pray rightly so that you are always with God when you pray the Lord's Prayer and you are always with His grace and you are always ready to be a blessing to the people that know you and to be ready to go through the door. And it won't ever make any sense without Christ. Amen.